0: After almost two weeks, the police search of suspected Long Island serial killer Rex Heuermann's house is complete. The house uh, could be categorized as cluttered, so there is a great deal of stuff
1: that was recovered, so we're just going to have to go through it. The the list of of items is, is quite large.
0: Investigators spent days digging up his backyard and packing up evidence, with some revealing discoveries along the way.
1: In New York, police say they found a walk-in vault with guns and an iron door in the basement of the Long Island home of Gilgo Beach murder suspect Rex Huerman.
0: Earlier this month, Heuerman, a married father of two and a successful New York architect, was charged with the murder of three young women. He is also the prime suspect in the death of a fourth victim.
1: Rex Huerman is a demon that walks among us. A predator that ruined families.
0: The women, who had become known as the Gilgo Four, were all sex workers, who police say hewermen found on Craigslist. Their bodies were discovered in 2010 within less than half a kilometre of each other along Gilgo Beach, a remote stretch of sand on the south shore of Long Island.
1: So this is a beach, you know, we've written about it before, where if you were trying to hide something, this would be a good place to do it.
0: It took investigators 13 years after the first body was found to arrest Hureman. So what took them so long? Why had the investigation stalled for more than a decade? And what exactly led them to this middle-aged man living a seemingly quiet life in the suburbs of New York? We've been here for about 30
1: years and and the guy's been quiet, never really bothers anybody.
0: You were kind of shocked, to tell you the truth, you know. This is in the news from the Irish Times. I'm Bernice Harrison. Today, how police closed in on the Gilgo Beach serial killer. For this episode, I speak to Maria Kramer, the police bureau chief of the New York Times. Maria, this case, as we know, dates back to 2010 when the first body was found on Gilgo Beach. Police at the time had actually been looking for a missing woman called Shannon Gilbert, who we should say isn't thought, at this stage anyway, to be one of Hjorman's victims. But instead, they found the remains of four other women. We also know that in the years since those women were discovered, the body of Shannon Gilbert was eventually found. And then a further six bodies were also discovered along the beach, including a toddler and a young Asian man. But Rex Hurman only became identified as a suspect in the Gilgo Four murders when a new task force was put in place to review the case. What had been happening with the investigation up till then and why was the task force needed? So the task force was created
1: around 2022 and this was after years of many problems in the investigation you know, investigators will say that they have been committed to finding what was going on, uh, what had led to these deaths uh, of, of these four women and the additional six people that would be found near Gilgo Beach um, for years. But there was a lot of dysfunction, a lot of disarray at the top. You had a a police commissioner who was corrupt and being investigated by the FBI. And so at the time, it wasn't known. But the reason why you didn't have investigators in Suffolk County cooperating with the FBI was because you had a commissioner who did not want the FBI involved. Um, As he knew he was a target of an investigation. Um, The district attorney ended up being involved in that investigation. Both of those men went to prison. It was in short a mess. Um, the the investigation had run into to all sorts of dead ends, um, in large part and big part because of what was going on at the top. Um, then you have in two thousand sixteen you have a new police police commissioner take over, and he um, begins to focus very much on evidence that hadn't really been looked at closely in a cohesive way, and this is cell phone records. Each of the women before they disappeared. Each woman was contacted by a disposable phone, a different disposable phone. And these are burner phones that, um, you know, obviously can be very difficult to, to get the records for, which is why people use burner phones. But you can figure out where the calls were coming from, where the contacts were being made. And what they found was that the phone calls were being made from two key locations. One was in this small area of Massapequa Park, which is in uh, Long Island. And the other is uh, in Manhattan. Um, pretty close to Penn Station. And these two locations gave authorities a really strong sense of who they were dealing with. They knew that they were most likely dealing with a commuter who lived in this location and who worked in Manhattan. And so um, it was a very exciting um, um, discovery because now you could narrow the focus down quite a bit to who might have done, who, who might have killed these women.
0: Now the big break seems to have come in March 2022 when investigators going through all the files, they found a witness description of a car. Can you tell me why that was important? This was a key
1: moment in the investigation. When they find out about this car, it really, it takes you from having to look at hundreds of people who live in Mesopico Park and work in Manhattan to just one. And that is the owner of a Chevrolet Avalanche. The Chevrolet Avalanche was a truck, a pretty distinctive truck that had been seen parked outside the home of one of the victims, the last victim in this case, that would be Amber Costello. And she had disappeared in 2010. So a witness had seen uh, not only this truck uh, The witness had also seen an ogre-like man coming out of that house. These were two very key pieces of information. And uh, using a database that can search for vehicles by make and model without license plate numbers, investigators found that there was an avalanche linked to Mr. Herman in 2010, the very year that Ms. Costello went
0: missing. So how did they finally nab Rex Herman? So they have that he was driving the car. They know he lived in a specific area and he worked then in Manhattan in a specific area. So so those two things then tallied. How finely did they nab him?
1: Right. So you have um, the phone records, you have um, the fact that he owns his car, but you don't really have anything linking him to to these women that's that's uh, physical. And the way that, uh, of course, they're going to want to do that is with DNA. So at this point, after the avalanche is discovered to be tied to Mr. Herman, they start to focus in on him exclusively. And they uh, surveil him. They surveil him outside his home. They surveil him outside his business. And they um, start gathering evidence um, in the form of <laughs> trash. You have an investigator who, uh, you know, undergoes, cover sneaks up to the house and grabs 11 bottles from the trash receptacle. And then the other surveillance team that was in Manhattan, they grab um, a box of pizza that they see Rex Herman throw out when he was on on a lunch break at his job. And um, after they tested the DNA on the bottles and uh, the pizza crust that was found in the pizza box, they found that they were a match to hairs that had been found on the women.
0: So why do investigators think that the three murders and possibly four, was the work of one person.
1: The belief on those four killings being tied to Mr. Herman is because of the of the evidence we just laid out, right? You have you have the DNA which is um um you know what prosecutors would say it's very compelling, very strong evidence. And then you have the cell phone records and what we know about him as well. They they they, they tie these burner accounts um they don't tie them to him directly, but they can tie them to um uh the area that he's in. But they also examined his Tinder account, several email addresses he had developed fictitious names in order to create them. And and that led to additional disposable phones that Mr. Herman was still using to contact massage parlors and women working as escorts. So he was essentially engaging in the pattern um, of the serial killer that they were investigating. The other other evidence that these Tinder accounts and these email addresses drew up was um, uh, very violent pornography, um, 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 showing assaults against women, assaults against children, and also a clear obsession with their... The case he was um, researching this case he was um, you know googling questions like why is this taking so long um, why haven't they ever used phone records to try and, and connect the killings um, it was clear he was obsessed not just like any other member of the public but you know he'd searched for 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 this case
0: 200 times on the online So can we talk about the victims here? Um, who are the three young women that he is believed to have killed?
1: He is charged with killing three women and he's believed to, he is the called he's being called the prime suspect in a fourth um, killing. And he was charged with the murders of Melissa Barthelemy, Megan Waterman, and Amberlyn Costello. These are all, uh, women in their twenties. These are all women who had been working as, uh, sex workers. And, um, they, uh, were all very small. Um, the other victim who's, who's, who have, he has not been tied officially to, but who he's believed to have killed is Maureen Brainerd Barnes. She's 25. And she was the first to go missing in July 2007. She went missing after taking an Amtrak train from New London, Connecticut, where she lived, uh, to Grand Central Terminal in Manhattan, where she was meeting a client.
0: Now, these four women, they're being known in shorthand as the Gilgo Four. They all worked as escorts, as you say. Is there a feeling that if these very young women, in their 20s, had been, let's say, college students from the neighbourhood and, and Long Island has a lot of very upscale neighbourhoods, um, that the murders would have been solved earlier? I think that that is a question that you can't
1: help but pose, and um, it's it, it makes you feel cynical to look at at the background of these women, how how lost they were. Uh, Amberlyn Costello, for example, was struggling with a serious heroin addiction. She had recently relapsed just before she um, disappeared, and so you're talking about very vulnerable people. They had families. In the case of Megan Waterman, there was a, a three year old uh, daughter. You know, she had a little girl that she. Doted on, and part of the reason why her family reported her missing was because I think a, a day had gone by without her checking on her daughter, and that was very unusual for her. So, these were people who were cared about. These were people who had family, but yes, they were also marginalized members of the community. Um, some of their family members had no idea they were engaging in this kind of work, and these are the victims that are often the most vulnerable because, for the very reason that you outlined, um, when they go missing it's, there's, there's this feeling that no one's going to care that because they, um, engage in this work that, you know, uh, we find, I don't know, you know, unseemly, um, we're going to care less about them. And, um, you know, never mind that there are so many reasons why this investigation stalled and didn't go, um, as quickly as people wanted. Um, but yeah, so societal reasons come up and, um, and it's, it's kind of the time that you want to sort of look in the mirror and say, all right, you know, where, how is it, what I care about? Um, how does it, affect these kinds of investigations and how the police move forward.
0: Coming up, what do we know about Rex Huerman and the double life he led? I'll continue my conversation with Maria Kramer after this short break. Tell us, you know, who you are, uh, you know, where you're from and how long you've been in New York. First okay. Um, Rex Hureman. I'm an architect. I'm an architectural
1: consultant. I'm a troubleshooter. Born and raised on Long Island. Okay. Been
0: right. working in Manhattan since 1987. Oh, wow.
1: Very long time.
0: Okay. So let's talk about Rex Huerman. Wh- who is he? He is
1: 59 years old. He is married, although his wife is in the process of divorcing him. And he has two children. Um, we don't know much about his son. His daughter, Victoria, is in her 20s and appears that she worked for him for a while. He um, lived in Mesopico Park um, in a pretty run-down house um, on a street that's uh, uh, full of very well-kept Pretty houses, um, friendly neighborhood where people really talk to each other and engage. And, uh, he was an outlier in that sense. He was, um, standoffish, uh, even menacing, according to some neighbors who recalled him glaring at them when he would say hello and chopping, um, you know, wood in front of his house, um, and, uh, you know, just sitting on the porch watching an old TV. So he, at, at, in in his home was not considered anybody you'd really want to approach and say Hey to and invite to a barbecue. Um, in Manhattan, he was known as an architectural consultant, an architect who uh, was fastidious, knew a lot about building codes, um, and could be really overbearing to deal with. He was fired from some projects because people found him so uh, unbearable to work with. But others really liked his work. They found him to be very efficient. They found him to be very competent and really good at pushing projects through you know, the Byzantine New York building system.
0: So he was clearly living, you know, a double life. He was suburban Massapeka Park, um, albeit the strange family on the block, obviously, in their in their rundown house. Um, but what are investigators finding out about him?
1: Investigators are trying to learn more about what his family might have known. Um, they're trying to find out more about what he was doing in that house. Uh, they're trying to find out what. Um, there have been reports about whether any of the home, any of the women were killed in that house. Uh, there has been nothing said on the record by officials. Um, but they're, they, 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 they are constantly, uh, uh, there, there have been searches of his house in his Manhattan apartment. Um, I think the big question that they have is how did these women die? I think that's a question that a lot of people want to know. Where did he take them? How did he kill them? And, uh, how did he dispose of their bodies without anybody seeing him do this? What else could he have done? Those are the those are the questions that investigators are trying to answer right now. His wife, we should say, is not considered um, a suspect in this case. She was away every time um, these women uh, disappeared. She and her children were both out either out of the country or out of the state. The DNA um, that was found on um, the women did match hers. But the, the presumption there from investigators is that he had somehow transferred his wife's hair onto onto the victim's.
0: And what about his extended family? Now, presumably the press is all over that part of Long Island right now because this must be a massive story. What are his extended family saying? What are the neighbours saying? We don't know much about his extended
1: family. His father, um, um, is, uh, he lives, so he lives in his childhood home. Um, and his, uh, father worked on satellites in space. Um, you know, had a workshop where he, he did, um, where he built furniture. Um, we, but there's not much that's known about him or his extended family. Um, of course, we're trying to find out everything we can about him because, yes, as you said, everyone is, is fascinated by this. Um, his neighbors never really learned much about him I and mean, he'd lived there for decades. He'd been married to his wife for nearly 30 years. But um, this was really a family that kept to themselves. The wife, we are told, uh, always looked rather um, sad, um, uh, depressed even. She'd shop at the local supermarket using food stamps, um, which is a surprising detail for the wife of an architect in Manhattan who is projecting this image of success and competence. And um, and at this point, yeah, the, the, there's still a lot of question marks around who he is, what led to this kind of um but what led to this terrible, these terrible crimes. He, you know, he went to the local high school and, uh, you know, there aren't there, you know, you're not hearing a lot of reports of some very strange person in school. Um, Maybe he was a bit of an outcast, but, you know, nothing, nothing alarming. Rex Hurriman, the state of New York serial killer suspect, is so far officially connected to just three of the 11 bodies unearthed along that stretch of Long Island Beach uh, called Gilgo Beach.
0: I mean, Gilgo Beach sounds like a grisly sort of a place. It certainly revised my view of what I thought Long Island was like. But do investigators think that Herman could possibly be involved with any of the others? we, we're still not, that question has been asked and we, we still don't know.
1: We don't know the, 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 there, there are six other victims. Some of them, you know, went, went missing years before these other, uh, um, women. Um, were found and you know went missing themselves. So it's a big question mark as to whether he was involved with any of those. Um th- There's not a lot of similarities. I mean, the, a big part of the reason why these four are linked to him is because they were buried in the same way, uh, bound with either tape or with belts. And, uh, and in, you know, in close proximity to each other. And of course, you know, the way that they were all contacted in the same way and solicited in the same way. The other, um, the other victims had uh, disappeared, you know, years before, you know, one in 2003, another, uh, you know, was last seen in 2000. There's a, there's a young um, man, Asian man um, between 17 and 23 years old, we believe. And he is a small man with poor dental health. Um, he died, um, you know, sometime around 2000, uh, between 2000 and 2005. So it's, it, it, there's not a very strong connection between the, the Gilgo four and these other killings. And so the idea that they were all done by one person, um, even before the arrest of Rex Herman was something that many investigators doubted. They always, there was always this belief that there was probably multiple killers.
0: Of course, Rex Herman is only a suspect at this stage. What's next in the case? that's correct he has pleaded not guilty his lawyer
1: says um, that he didn't do this that he wept you know on the day that he was arraigned so at this point um, that would suggest that the case will go to trial um there is a, a very strong amount of evidence according to prosecutors against Rex Herman and they are trying to develop more clearly this is why you're seeing so many visits to his home and to his office but what's next now is we wait uh, for the for the criminal system um, to take care of this case his next hearing is next Next month, August 1st. And I'm sure it will be very heavily attended.
0: Now, it seems as if mistakes were made in this case by the police. I mean, that basic one about the car, the uh, victim's friends had said they had seen this particular car. It was detailed, it was written down in a statement, and it was never really, really acted on for, what, 10, 11 years, more, 12 years later. It wasn't until the investigators focused on that. Now, you have said that there was a lot of structural issues in the Long Island Police Force and the Police Force in the Suffolk County. But it's been a long time, nevertheless, between 2010 and 2023. Will there be a review of the case? Does that sort of thing happen?
1: Yes. You know, there actually have been former investigators in this case who've called for that and are saying that they want a review of the case for the precise reasons that you just outlined Uh, the detail of the Chevrolet avalanche. That was a detail they had. Very early on, and it just ended up tucked away in a case file buried under mountains of other evidence that had been collected in this case. You know, there were, there were so many tips. There were so many cell phone records. And so, um, you know, you, you you can make the argument that, um, this is how a case often unfolds, that you have so much evidence coming in. And, and when something gets kind of media attention and scrutiny that this case did, the floodgates open in terms of tips and can become very overwhelming for investigators. That said, it was such an important detail and it was the kind of thing that perhaps could have led to a break in the case much earlier than it did because um it, it you know when when they did look up the Chevrolet Avalanche they found it was registered to him and um uh, to Rex Herman and he did meet this very specific description of the person who had come out of the house the day that um Miss um, Costello disappeared. So that is a that is a serious oversight and um and- and there are many investigators who are now scratching their heads wondering how that happened.
0: Is there a sense, I mean, there must have been a sense of fear on Long Island that there was a serial killer about. Is there a sense that people are sleeping easier in their beds? I believe so. I think
1: that there is still a lot of um um concern about the about what happened to the six other people I mean, just the idea that you know you're you're near a beach and enjoying yourself and you know swimming and sunning and you know you know just a few yards away from you um there's this body uh, and nobody knows what happened to that person is it's, it's it's tragic it's unsettling it's terrifying so those uh, those are questions that people still really want answered but yes there is There was a lot of relief when when this arrest happened, because not only not only because this this was a terrible case that scared so many people when it broke in 2010, but just just to know the police were still looking at this. We're still paying such close attention. We're still so heavily involved and cared enough about these victims to try and find out what happened to them.
0: Maria Kramer, thanks very much for joining us. We'll be watching this case, as I know you will be, too. Thank you so much. That's all for today. Thanks again to our guest, New York Times journalist, Maria Kramer. I'm Bernice Harrison. This episode was produced by John Casey and Suzanne Brennan. In the news, we'll be back soon.